Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm KJ. You know the drill. We're back here once again to remind you about the benefits of the Dunlap Champions Club. If you haven't sampled it still, well, find one of your friends or somebody that has. Uh, you know, the spring game in the rearview mirror. Certainly uh, some other folks got an opportunity in there to enjoy what is uh, just terrific space. Every now and then when you're hanging out in the Dunlap Champions Club, an MC Hammer concert breaks out, too, so you never know what you're going to get. And if you haven't had the opportunity to even be there, you can schedule a private tour. Just call 850-644-1830. Tickets are available. It's a, it's a home schedule that uh, you'll enjoy visiting there, and particularly if we get any of those noon, noon kickoffs, you'll be air-conditioned and ready to go. Well, that is a good point. I just, in general, I didn't want to have a noon kickoff conversation, but I get your point. And the home schedule, of course, includes Miami, NC State, Louisville, Syracuse, uh, whatever it is, 644-1830, the number to call or, or, or go online, seminoles.com uh, slash tickets, and check out the Dunlap Champions Club. And we really like them because they allow us to then put this on the podcast, and it's without commercial interruption. Is that how we say it? This being Front Row Knowles. Take it away. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. Keith, how are you, sir? I am happy. Happy, 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 happy. I feel like half the time that's your response. Why are you happy? This happy, time, happy at this, this week, moment? I'm happy for three reasons. Three, not three two. Three reasons, not two. Mark three it down. Reasons. Keith's got three things, not Number two. Number one, it's finals week. Always a good time at the university. Number two, hats off and congratulations to our uh, good friend, associate uh, head coach of men's basketball, Stan Jones, was in, inducted into the inaugural Basketball Hall of Fame class, uh, which is unbelievably um, fitting for him and also for FSU in general because that's the inaugural class of the Assistant Coach Hall of Fame. So he's in it. Well, the inaugural winner of the Broyles Award for the most outstanding assistant coach for college football was one Mickey Andrews. Okay. And thirdly, tomorrow's Deckerhoff's birthday. Happy birthday, Gino. All right. How about that? You came armed and prepared today. I try. Means you won't be happy next week because you'll have to go ahead and get those exams graded and turned in. Hey, hey, hey. Half of them are already done as I sit. Okay. The exam uh, or the, the, the draft grades, I guess, were not very good for, for Florida State, but maybe about where we expected. Was it a surprise? And, and the answer was no. We were just hoping that Christmas would, in fact, get a Christmas present and be drafted. But Burns went right where you expected him to go. Uh, and I think it's a good good, uh, good spot for him. Uh, and uh, Christmas gets drafted. And then the only real surprise of the undrafted free agents, the UDFAs, i got to learn that term. I don't have that at the tip of my tongue, is as we speak, unless you know something I don't know, is one um, Jacquez Patrick has not signed with anybody, though they think he will. Five, I believe five of the other kids have. Ferris, Ferris and that surprised me related a little bit to yep. Patrick. It really goes back to the bigger conversation of, boy, am I really going to do this this early in the show? Recruiting and stars and all that because, you know. You and, had, you, and you were Twittering and tweeting and, and texting me with various and sundry things uh, uh, between last show and this show that either – 
A, made me feel bad, or number two, made me want to go hee-haw, or yee-haw, or whatever a mule makes? Well, the reality is, I, I hate that I start, I shouldn't have gone down this road. I don't want to get into recruiting right now. I, I really don't. Uh, a higher percentage of five stars get drafted, but there's more three and four stars that get drafted because there's more three and four star players overall. That's the most succinct so way. Which to say stat is the right one becomes the question. Who knows? Well, it doesn't change the fact that there's also five stars who go bust and don't get drafted. And so the bigger issue is you got to get it right on the evaluation and on the front end. And, uh, you know, in the case of Florida State, now to be fair, when you look at a guy like George Campbell, he had injury issues here. So do you, you know, do you put him in the bust category? Some would, but I don't know that that's fair because he had significant injury issues. And you're much better at remembering the names, but I can't remember the kids that didn't perform. You know, the cashers of the world that that came highly thought of and and, and didn't make it. The casual fan, the normal fan, the idiot fan like me at sixty, we forget about them. We can't. You, you're bet much better at I am at rolling them off your tongue. I can't remember them at all. Well, I'm getting closer to your age every day. Your current age. But you're not there. But I'm not there. I will remind <laughs> our listeners again. Nor am I. Uh, I'm still over a decade away. As and we'll continue to be, I'm told. We'll talk more about the draft and the fallout and the state of FSU athletics with our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. It's actually a really busy time, despite the fact that as this is exam week, as you pointed out, and it's university policy or athletic department policy, there's not going to be any competition for anybody during exam week. You do have uh, men's and women's tennis going to NCAs, men's and women's golf. Uh, volleyball is competing for another national championship. Uh, excuse me, competing in the national in championship the national again championship. as the three Gulf seed. Shores, Alabama. Trying to get their the first promos. ever one. The baseball team is frantically trying to find opponents to make up for two rainouts so they can get some more games well, on the ledger. just announced. Uh, right. They're going to play two against JU on uh, Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Next in, Tuesday. Instead of one. So I think Florida State had has lost two games. They've got one of them back. I don't know if they've found anything else out. The baseball team does continue to look better. I think at this point, we may know what they are, which is a flawed team that has pretty good frontline pitching on Friday and Saturday night. Pretty good player in Mendoza. Can't pick up the baseball. Reese, uh, the return of Reese is, is not insignificant. And they do have a chance, uh, as Mike Bell returns to town this weekend to, with Pitt, they do have a chance to, to, to piece together six or seven more wins here they, they can't before pick, going to Louisville. They can't pick up the baseball, but they're getting much better at not dropping it. Because at a point, one point in time, that was the issue. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Those box scores are still not looking very pretty. Uh, I'm just saying the last number is still there, but it's gotten there a different way maybe. How about that? I suppose that makes some sense. I don't know. So they've got uh, Pitt this weekend, then they've got uh, three midweek games. So softball team two against JU and one against Stetson. Softball continues to excel. Yeah, I want to ask Tim Linnefeld about that. I I saw Megan King is the ACC Pitcher of the Week, and it's the 11th time she's been honored. Wow. That's got to be a record, isn't it? That was my thought when I saw it. I mean, if you're – and in the sixth time this year, I mean, pick your sport or your Florida State athlete or anybody – I guess, you know, if we looked at basketball, Zion Williamson was probably the rookie of the year in the ACC 12 times this year or something like that. Um, but, that but, but, ele- but minus one for a shoe. Ele- 11 is not insignificant, though, for, uh, for Megan King. So Agreed. congratulations there. What else you got on the docket before we uh, welcome our well, you mentioned that insider. You mentioned that uh, tennis teams will be in postseason play. Uh, on the women's side, they'll actually be hosting at the Spiker Center. And uh, I am not a tennis person. I suspect a good number of our listeners are not as well. So I got to get the good Wildwood term. I got to get educated about how the postseason works for tennis. Well, the women's tennis coach, Jennifer Hyde, will join us later in the show, and she will do oh, just really? that. Oh, really? 
Really? She will educate wow, what you. What a surprise. I didn't know that. I would. The only point I'd beg to differ with is there is a pretty big tennis community in Tallahassee. And so many of our listeners probably don't need the uh, edumacation that you do, Keith. But we'll, either way, we'll, we'll address that later in the show. And it is good for them. They're coming off the best finish in school history. And now they're hosting for the first time in, in nearly a decade. I know one thing we didn't mention. Sebastian Janikowski is hanging it up after 19 years. Seabass. Do you know the only other player left in the league from that Tom draft? Brady. There you go. Tom Brady. And you know who? So think about who that. Who is the best earning kicker to date? In the NFL? That would be Janikowski. $53-plus million. Name FSU players, football players, who have more career NFL earnings than Janikowski. Johnson. Eh. He actually outdid Johnson by about three hundred grand in terms of NFL contract money. I don't believe that. I looked it up. Well, Johnson was over 60. I counted it off with, with, uh, with uh, somebody one time. You're going to – never mind. I, you're I, I, right, Tom. Tom, you're right. On. I am mistaken. Let me put the asterisks and we'll cite Spotrack. You can go look it up. They, they, they don't know what they're doing. you got to talk to somebody that knows. I talked to somebody who knows, Casey Weldon, because he knew every penny. That Let's just on. call it a wash because at $53 million and change, Anybody when you're else? 100 grand apart, you're basically yeah. even. So we'll call them even. Anybody else? Anybody else? Brad Johnson, um, Dion, nope. contracts were not big, nope. so, so he's probably made more money after the fact. Um, Corey made good money. Simon did, but he would be in the 30s, not in the 50s. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to go with nobody, but unless you know, you're going to tell me different. I'm going to tell you different only because I thought the answer might be nobody because I was shocked to think that Janikowski would be at the top of the list. So Anquan Bolden and Walter Jones both made in the 60s. I forgot about Walter. Derek, I, I would have guessed Walter had I Derek thought Brooks of his name. and Dion both made in the 30s, 36, 37 million, something like that. Corey was actually in the 20s, I think. We throw this around like it's insignificant dollars. Only 20. Regardless, and I didn't take up the take the time to look up every player that's ever worn an FSU uniform. The fact that you have a kicker at 53 million, and this what's what's relevant about this is we're in the middle of draft week, and we'll talk in greater detail about Brian Burns and what his future looks like. But right now, you don't know who's going to be a star or not. So as they held the draft in 2000. Who could have predicted that Janikowski was going to make it 19 years and be the, uh, you know, the richest kicker per or and that Tom Brady as a low round pick would be what he is? I mean, who knew that at that time? Well, I think between the two, you would have voted for Janikowski achieving greater fan, uh, 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 success. Yeah, because I believe he was the first kicker selected in the first round. He wasn't the first, but he's maybe the highest selected. Yeah, and it's not something that people do, right? And the other question that now comes about that uh, the pundits and the talking heads is, A, it's very hard for a kicker to get into the Hall of Fame. Could Janikowski be the first first ballot kicker? To I get don't into think the he's Hall at that fame? level. And I, but, I, I, when I've looked at it before, he's he's in the eighth to twelfth range in, yeah. in terms of and total in points years, and that sort of in thing. In nineteen years of kicking in the NFL, how many extra points did he miss? That I don't know. Nine. Nine in 19 years? Nine in 19 years. How many were at since they've moved the... I don't know the ratio between yeah. the long versus the short, but he was he missed an extra point once every two years. Yeah, he was a guy who whose legend was large, and then he uh, calmed down, I'm, I'm led to believe, and uh, turned into well, to quite the player. The problem, he's, he's not a Hall of Fame kicker, though. I disagree. I think he very much is a Hall of Fame kicker. I mean, he, he's... He's seventh all-time scoring, ninth 
most field goals made. I mean, he's got some stuff. But there's only one or two kickers in the Hall well, of that's, Fame. That's another so discussion. So what about the five guys? That's another discussion. Yeah. So if you want to define, did he have a Hall of Fame career? And here's and another that's thing. Here's definition. another thing that as we've gotten older. Here's another thing as we've gotten older. You've gotten very ornery as you've gotten older. That's another thing. Go ahead. Thank you very much. The issues that Janikowski had, you know, when he tried to pay off the cop, when he was busted outside of a local establishment uh, and some other issues. Now that he's 19 years removed, we look back at him and there's there are, nobody wants to believe, but there's logical explanations for his actions. In Poland, when you are served with a ticket, you pay the police officer at the time are we really going to have a conversation to defend janikowski's behavior I'm while he's defending. at fsu right now i'm not defending I'm 19 just saying, years after the fact you want to relitigate this amazing it's it amazing as time goes on we find ways i'll use the word i'll even use the word justify to justify some actions Bobby justified it. He just classified it as international rules. He didn't go into the level of detail that you did just there. Well, there you go. <sighs> Are we done with this? You don't want to hear about the time he stuck his head I don't out of a vent on a bus one time up in Maryland? I won't tell you about that then. The uh, commencement ceremonies will be staged this weekend, uh, all four of them, another 6,000, 7,000 uh, alums that will welcome to the uh, Florida State community, if you will, and uh, Madison Social will... Uh, welcome as well. They do this annually. The alumni bar crawl is 7 o'clock Saturday. That's at uh, Township, Madison Social. Our parents invited? Centrally. Yeah, so this is not just for new alums. Ooh. This, by definition, you're an alum, Keith. Yes, you're I invited. But I didn't They'll walk. wonder who you're chaperoning if you go. But Did you walk both times? No. I did not walk. No, the second time I was with you, and we were in Mobile, Alabama, calling a basketball game. The Ooh, day that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, so I hope you, I, I bought you, hope you appreciate I bought the you sacrifice. I bought you dinner that night. Story, I'm sticking with it. Appreciate the sacrifice that I made. Anyway, uh, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linefeld is in the on-deck circle. We'll get him into the batter's box right after this. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. All right, we are back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ, and our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linefeld. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Good. Tim joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. I commented in the first segment, Tim, that though there's no actual competition this week because it's exam week, it feels like a really busy time when you look at the athletics calendar. We've got all kinds of NCAA stuff going on. Calendar has turned to May, so it means it's more important time for baseball and softball. There's there's a lot to discuss. Oh, gosh. No, there really, really is. In fact, uh, you know, our mutual buddy Lane Hurt and I were talking about that uh, not too long ago, that, that May really kind of sneaks up on you a little bit between you know the, the national championships and beach volleyball, softball getting ready to go to the postseason. Uh, the, oh, you know, they host the ACC tournament next week, uh, the tennis hosting NCAA regionals, uh, and then, like you said, crunch time for, for baseball. Um, yeah, man, there's, there's a lot going on. It's a really busy month. Let's start with beach volleyball because we have not given them their due. 
they have been national runners-up three times in their very short existence, which I don't recall what year they started, but basically we're talking in the past decade or 11 so. 11 or 12, I think. Yeah, so even shorter than the, the past decade. So they've been national runners-up in 2014, 2016, 2018. And uh, they're the three-seed this year. The championships start on Friday, and they're over in Gulf Shores. Uh, the challenge is that the perennial powers are, are West Coast teams where they've played more beach volleyball. But my question is, could this be a third national championship by a women's athletics team at Florida State within one calendar year? Uh, well, it's not no, the, yeah, no, within 365 could. days. I didn't say that correctly, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, no, I think it absolutely could. Uh, I mean, look, they're really good, and they have been you know, among the best in the country for a long time. And you remember how close they were a year ago to win the national title and how, you know, as we recall, kind of not, not dubious circumstances because the rules are the rules. But, you know, if you recall, Florida State went to the winner's bracket and hadn't lost a match in, in the tournament round and UCLA had it's in a double elimination up into the championship round and then the, everything resets to equal, which, I mean, you know, if you're on the other side of that, you're not complaining about it. So I get it, but that's an awfully hard way to lose the national championship, right? Uh, and so that's kind of, you know, what they were dealing with. And, uh, you know, I whether or not that's motivated them, uh, I mean, I'm sure it has to a degree. But you know, the fact is, like you mentioned with these uh, these West Coast schools, uh, it's going to be the same kind of path. You know, they're going to have to go through, uh, in all likelihood, UCLA uh, to get there again. Um, you know, they're certainly familiar with them. Uh, they know that they can hang with them. Uh, you know, they were close to beating them a year ago, uh, but that's kind of, I think, what it's going to take. And uh, Espen has given them quite a bit of love because I was noticing last night as I was watching, there was promos all over the place for, for what's going to be going on over in Gulf Shores, Alabama this yeah, weekend. Yeah, and, and you know, if you, if you haven't watched it, it's, uh, it's actually, I think, a pretty good TV sport. Uh, it moves really quickly. There's a lot going on at any given time. You know, everybody plays uh, more or less at one time, and so there's there's always something happening. There's not really a lull uh, in the action. And, it, you know, it's, it's pretty fast-paced. So if you haven't checked it out, I mean, I, I would really recommend it. It's a, it's a fun watch. You know, that's a good segue to what college tennis uh, matches or how they're com- contested as well, Tim, in terms of simultaneous action going on. Because if you got, and I'll, I'll bring this up with the women hosting, and we're going to talk to Coach Hyde uh, next segment about this, but uh, it's a different feel than when you watch professional tennis uh, because of the cheering that's going on and, and the fact that six matches, six singles matches all take place at the same time. And they've done sing- some things in recent years to college tennis. Uh, to speed up the matches too, uh, most notably, I guess, eliminating add in and add out and that sort of thing. Just to, so, so instead of a four and a half hour match, you maybe get in in two and a half or three. But this is a big opportunity for the for the women and, and for the men as they go on the road. But but for the women in particular who've reached new heights here the last two years. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like I'm kind of re- repeating myself a little bit, but man, I mean, when you think about the progress uh, that they've made just in the last two years, uh, I mean, you're talking about. You know, really kind of one of the best stretches, maybe the best stretch uh, in the history uh, of that program and what they've been able to accomplish. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's kind of cool to see. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to watch. You know, I, I feel like a similar, uh, a similar uh, feeling with, um, with the women's golf team, you know, the way that you, know, you hire a coach and, and give her time to build and give her time to recruit the way that she wants it and, and, and build the program the way that she feels is best. And, Sometimes it can take a little while, particularly if it's a bigger job. And, and I think it's fair to say in, in some of those programs, they, you know, they were bigger jobs. Uh, but to see it come to fruition the way it is now, um, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, whether or not the women's tennis team, whether it was, you know, how far they advance and, and whether they can compete you know, truly for a national championship, um, you know, that remains to be seen. But I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, the program is enjoying, you know, if, if it's not an all-time high, it's pretty close. 
Well, as long as we've started down this women's road, let's stay here because, Tim, I saw you over the weekend uh, tweeting about this, and I know uh, it's been a big year for women's athletics at FSU, 50th anniversary of women's sports, and uh, they announced that they exceeded their their fundraising totals, which is good. But uh, just tell us a little bit about that event uh, and kind of the fallout from it. It was a cool event. Uh, you know, it was Florida State celebrated the 50th anniversary of intercollegiate women's athletics, and uh, you know, that's uh, as they pointed out. You know, the actual history of women's sports at FSU goes way back longer than that, way back into the 1900s, back when it was Florida State College for Women. But it's uh, the school's history as uh, as you know, with women's athletics as we know it uh, today is uh, dates back to 1968, and so they uh, they spent a long time celebrating that that year. And, and as a lot of folks said, President Thrasher and, and Vanessa Hughes, the senior women's administrator at FSU, I mean. You know, could there possibly have been uh, a better way to celebrate a 50-year anniversary with, uh, you know, I think we can go ahead and include it for the sake of discussion, two national championships. I know soccer, softball, excuse me, happened uh, at the end of last season, technically. Uh, but, uh, you know, celebrate with two national championships, all of your spring women's sports ranked in the top 10. Uh, it was just it was cool. It was, it was a good celebration. I think the, uh, the financial support kind of reflects that uh, and the success that they've had. And the people, uh, the Florida State community, by and large, has bought into – this department and this program, the women's athletics program as a whole. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, you, once you get, get it rolling a little bit now, it sort of starts to, to snowball and avalanche and that support keeps growing and growing. And then the, the programs keep going and growing and, you know, you see it. That financial support, uh, if I saw correctly, was not insignificant, something a little over $7 million. Over 7.2 million. The goal was for 5 million. It was, and it was part of the, uh, the Unconquered campaign, you know, the capital campaign that was announced last year, and, and part of that was um, the uh, was part of that was a five million dollars sort of earmark to be used exclusively for women's athletics. But the cool thing was that they they were allowed to go over that, uh, and, they, and they didn't have to cap five million, and they did. So instead of getting five million that they had hoped for, uh, they got over seven point two million, and so. Uh, yeah, you don't need to be a math major to know that's a pretty Tim, not uh, to make fun of you, but I'm looking here at my partner who is in full-time fundraising for the FSU Foundation. And when you said they were allowed to go over. We allow the, that. Tommy, that, that is Tommy permissible about, by the rules. Tommy about fell out of his chair. <laughs> <laughs> we we encourage are, it as a matter of fact. Feel free. If people are wondering, that's all. <laughs> all right, let's talk some football and uh you know, Brian Burns, we discussed last week, and, and congratulations, he becomes the 45th first-round pick in FSU history. I guess the most curious thing to me, uh, and I'm curious if for you, too, is that Jacques Patrick has had trouble landing on a roster as a free agent. Yeah, I don't fully understand it. I, I thought he definitely would. As I said to you guys last week, I thought that he'd be a guy who would be impressive uh, in an interview setting or talking to, to a front office setting. And I thought maybe his film would be, you know, at least good enough uh, that combined with his interviews might uh, might make people want to take a chance on him or at least give him a shot. Uh, but that hasn't been the case. And so uh, I don't know. I mean, I still, I still think you hold out hope that, that he does land somewhere. Uh, but it's kind of a mystery to me so far. Well, I think, I think the mystery part is simply that you've only got a handful of clubs that can use what he is perceived to be, which is an H-back or a fullback. Uh, yeah, and and that's pro- that's there's just not fair. that many clubs that need that on their roster. Uh, I know Patrick would argue he ran at the tailback position uh, right. for his entire career, but I'm just sorry the way they pigeonhole things. Uh, he's he's going to be thought of more so as a fullback than a tailback, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. Well, 
well, not only that, but when you think about some of the, the really successful running backs now, some of the younger, new wave of running backs, I mean, they all catch the ball out of the backfield, right? You think about, you know, Alvin Kamara or Le'Veon Bell or whoever, and, uh, you know, that, that being that dual threat, I think, has, has really become a, a trendy way to treat that position, and, and that's something that you know, Jack Lewis just didn't have to do a lot of. Well, the, 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 the irony of that is he's very good at it. He, yeah. just, he just wasn't asked to do much of that at the collegiate level, but he catches the ball well out of the backfield. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, but you, you factor in that he didn't have to do it much, and then you know, mm-hmm. if you look at his measurable mm-hmm. and the size, you're, you're thinking that's probably not what he is. Tim, I recall a conversation we had on this show, I think it was maybe three years ago, when we were all in agreement that Derek Kelly and Rick Leonard would both be on NFL rosters at the same time. And matter of fact, they're on the same team. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a real good memory. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm, being, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matthew. Could you bring that up? Could we replay that? Okay, I'm being a little facetious, obviously, but uh, I, it, it, congratulations to Derek for getting an invite there. And obviously, Rick was uh, drafted last year by the Saints. And I'll go ahead and give you credit if you want to claim it, Tim. Nobody's going to go back and listen to all our archives. They just burn. I, they I, don't I listen don't back to all them. that. I, I do know that uh, Rick, I believe, is no longer with the Saints. I think he's no. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so what don't make do. Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, FSU has now had a player drafted every year since 1984. So that part is good news, but we've got to get back to where we're getting uh, more than a handful in this draft. Uh, and I do think, you know, when you look at the current rosters, there's there's NFL talent at the skill positions. The, the lines need to get uh, beefed up offensive. Yeah, I, and- I, I think that's fair. And, and look, I mean, there, there are guys on the, on the line, uh, or certainly on, uh, on the defensive line, and I think we all expect Marvin Wilson. Uh, to be a draft pick whenever he's ready uh, to do that. So yeah, I think you'll have somebody there. Marion Terry, as you mentioned, skill position on on offense. Cam Akers, it, it'll come. Uh, and the truth is, you know, when you talk about guys like, you know, and unfortunately Jacquez or even uh, Nyquan Murray or, or some of those guys, I mean, when, when you brought them in, you were thinking, you know, those are, those are future pros. And maybe they'll turn out to be, but usually when you say future pro, you're talking about guys who are going to end up drafted. And so, uh, you know, that part of the chain just, just broke down uh, in, in this particular year. But, you know, it, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily a broad referendum on where things are uh, moving forward because, as you just said, I mean, there's, there's still plenty of guys on that roster. If you, you look up and down and you say, you know, yeah, those guys. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the bigger okay. referendum is the one loss. <laughs> let's, let's concentrate on that one first. Fair <laughs> Well, if that one gets fixed, the other one probably will as well. That's which is my your point. Which is your point. Hey, well, uh, and a lot of times a really good one-loss record can kind of elevate guys uh, to a certain status too, right? Well, just look at me. <laughs> <laughs> You're Exhibit A for that, right? Exactly. Tim, we'll let you run on this, but it's commencement this weekend. Uh, I know that you will be there taking notes at all four ceremonies, two on Friday and two on Saturday. So you can report back with news about every student athlete that walked across the stage, but one of them not just that every student. Well, but but in the context of this show, we weren't we'll, asking that much we'll, of we'll you. We'll only ask you to report out on the student athletes. That you'll have to find another show to to, to list the other sixty two hundred. <laughs> Fair talk, enough. Talk enough. talk to Mark Ziegler; he can help you out with that. Um, Kenny Shaw, who's not that he's a current student athlete, but I always like these stories when guys come back and, and they finish up their degree. And I saw Kenny Shaw at the spring game. He's been back, as has been reported, and has worked with the receivers a little bit since he's been back. But he's been playing in the CFL. That's a good story that, that Kenny Shaw has come back, and he's going to uh, dot the I's and cross the T's on that. Yeah, he's, he's graduating this weekend. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to believe, but it's been six years since uh, since Kenny last played. Uh, at Florida State, finishing up in 2013. And so for him to come back and finish his degree, and you know it kind of makes him 
unique, and I'm not saying one way is, is better than the other, but typically with the, the degree completion program that Florida State has, you know, one of the big appeals for, for guys who are either in the NFL still or, or, uh, or you know, pursuing some other professional avenue, and a lot of them are, is that they can do a lot of it. Uh, but Kenny actually, and, and, that's, and that's fine, and it's set up really well to do that, but Kenny actually returned to campus uh, and has been, you know, I mean, he looks like an undergrad walking around there with his, uh, with his backpack on and going to class and, his, and you know, it's just this whole kind of school getup. So uh, that's been kind of cool to, to see him take advantage of it in that way. I had actually, absolutely no recall that it had been that long. It just seemed yeah. like yesterday. I'm telling you, man. Well, part of it is we tried to block out the last couple of years here. This is true. Yeah. But, uh, Tim, thank you. <laughs> you got it, guys. All right. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Time does fly, though, is your point. Yeah, but I still w- would hold out my, my my teammate, Bobby Butler. That That is the greatest accomplishment of a getting your degree when there's about a 35-year gap between when you last set foot on campus and you end up graduating. We, uh, we had him on the show to talk about We had him on the show to talk about it. It was a great story. Bobby. Bobby, an unbelievable guy, uh, great teammate, unbelievable uh, uh, person, as well as husband and uh, father and all that good stuff. We got to go to break. We do. We'll do that. Okay. And then we'll do more of this. Okay. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, we'll once again open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. The Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. We told you it's a busy time for Florida State Athletics. Even though this is exam week and there's no competition during the week, there's Lots of activity, including of the NCAA variety, and we're pleased to bring to the program the winningest women's tennis coach in FSU history, also a former uh, letter winner at Florida State who was captain uh, of the Seminole team back in her day. Coach Jennifer Hyde is with us. How are you, Coach? I'm doing great, Tom. Thanks for having us. This is good. Uh, great to be on with you. Well, congratulations. Uh, you certainly have earned it, and I guess let's start there. It's been uh, several years since the women's team has hosted a regional. You're going to have that opportunity this weekend, and it's coming off a year in which you made it to the Elite Eight, which I think is the highest finish in women's tennis history for Florida State. So how have you elevated the program, or how has the program uh, been elevated over the last couple of years here? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's been quite a trip the last couple of years. I think, um, you know, we, we took a little bit of a hit a few years ago and kind of put things back on track nicely in the last couple of years, and a, a few good recruiting classes came in. And I honestly think that's the difference maker is just, the uh, you know, we've, we've had very, very good players in the past, and I feel like right now we're just having the best teams we've ever had. And, and that says a lot because in the history, you know, first couple of years and first probably decade I was here, we had some very, very good teams. Uh, but the talent level is just a little bit deeper, a little bit better at the top. Um, and I think the drive is probably, I, mean, I think they're more hungry than any team I've ever had in my in my career. And I think, you know, that's showing in, in some of the results and some of the outcomes that we've had and, and the goals that they've set and achieved this year. So, uh, so far, so good. We're, we're positioned pretty well heading into the postseason here and very, very excited to be hosting at home again. 
Yeah, I called it the regionals. It's the first and second round, but there is a tweak to the way the championships are being contested in, in tennis this year in that previously first and second round winners would advance. Uh, 16 winners would go to one final site, but now uh, this started with baseball right about 20 years ago and then softball went this way. Now there's a super regional round that's mixed in before you get to the final site. So how do you like this new format for the championships? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm excited. Change is always kind of exciting with tennis, and I think we're trying to trying to keep up with the with the rest of the college sports. We're a little slow to embrace it, but um, I think it's going to make it more exciting. I think it's less tennis and a little more time, so it's not going to exhaust the kids as much as the tournament runs deeper. And, you know, because to play four days back-to-back at this level to win a championship is very, very – it's a big ask, um, especially when, you know, a lot of these kids are finishing finals or in finals or missing finals and – um, there's a lot of uh, attention suckers, if you will. So I think being able to spread it out a little bit, it, it makes it more exciting too, and it allows us, you know, host it at, at home institutions as well. So it gets the fan support very involved, and I think it's going to be great. I'm excited to see how it how it ends up. And, and along that same vine, Coach, uh, talk about the format and, and how the how what happens in Tallahassee this weekend will actually come out and play in terms of the matches. Okay, so uh, things start up on Friday. <clears throat> Excuse me, we've got. Uh, four seeds at this tournament. So the host seed is us. We're one. University of Central Florida is the two seed. The three seed is University of Alabama, and the four seed is South Alabama. So the way they paired up is one plays four and two plays three. So um, University of Central Florida and Alabama kick off uh, at two o'clock on Friday afternoon, and then we're the match after five o'clock on Friday afternoon. And um, it'll be just back-to-back. It's played as soon as one of the teams clinches four points play stops um and it should take you know two and a half to three hours it might take a little bit longer depending upon the matches but uh it's set up for a good solid six hours of back-to-back match tennis it's gonna be very very high level now coach you know this anytime a radio host says well i'm asking this on behalf of our listeners (laughs) that really means that he doesn't know the answer to it but do y'all play on some different surfaces and how how is the spiker center surface for your club as you project it uh, yeah college tennis they've moved every single championship and every single dual match that we have now is all on hard court surface okay. uh, we used to have a fall event in the um gosh probably four or five years ago they stopped it actually probably longer than that but they had one fall event that was a clay a national event the problem is uh, so many players and teams don't have access to clay courts anywhere. So they kind of that just kind of dissolved and can't, can't, went off the radar, and they've picked up other hard court championships that, that just keep everything on the same playing surface. As far as Spiker goes, yeah, we have you know a nice 12-court facility. Um, we're really excited about getting some work done on these courts because they haven't had any uh, resurfacing done since they were built back in 94. But right now uh, I think there's some plans this summer to hopefully get some, get some wheels in motion on that. Uh, but the great thing about this facility is up top we have seating for 500, you know, 1,000 total, but 500 on one side. So it really allows allows for fan engagement, and it allows people to be be a part of the match from up in the stands and really engage the players. So um, that's that's the format looking ahead. Should point out for our listeners' sake, tickets are available. You can go to Seminoles.com, 8 bucks for uh, the full weekend tournament pass. Uh, to go cheer on Florida State in this first and second round site. One thing with with college tennis, and we talked about this in our last segment a little bit, Coach. Uh, for for those who haven't attended, it's it's different than watching professional tennis in the in the way the fans get into it, in the and the way that there's six matches that when you get to singles that take place 
simultaneously. Um, I know it started, so I'm, I'm going to mix about three questions into one, which is really bad radio, but you've been very good at the doubles point, and, and, and you start with the doubles, so you, you, in essence, you've been able to get off to a good start more often than not this year, but then it just rolls into the singles, and there really is a lot going on when you're out there. Yeah, it's it's pretty chaotic for, for you know, even for a big tennis fan, because there's so much action taking place. And now we have, you know, they also changed the format a few years ago where you don't play, you know, at 40 all, you don't go deuce and add, deuce, add, deuce, add. At, at when, when each player has three points each, the next point wins the game. So we have a lot of those deuce points that keep things very exciting. I mean, you could lose five deuce points, be playing out of your mind tennis, and be down 0-5 very quickly. Yeah, so, but you can also be up very quickly, 5-0, if those kind of go in your favor. I think part of the plan is to try not to get it to that. And if you have those leads at 40-15 or 40-30, finish the games then. But because of that deuce point, it, it definitely makes it, things can change very, very quickly if you're looking up and down six courts. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, one of the great things, too, about being able to host is, with that format and with the exciting type of players that we have, um, they really uh, play with a lot of motion. They play with a lot of engagement of the fans, and they play um, very raw tennis. And I think they're really, really into it. And I think that passion that they put out there makes it really fun for the viewer. And I think, um, you know, we have people coming back every match and just really getting behind these girls. And I think it's because of their performances. Their performances are uh, they're so very dialed in and very passionate about what they're doing out there, and they're very, they're very good. They're very exciting to watch. You know, it's not, you know, sit back moonball tennis. It's, it's exciting, creative tennis, and um, I just think it's 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 really fun to watch. It's fun to coach. I know that for sure. You mentioned your team and your squad. Let's talk to some specifics. Uh, three of your ladies uh, were honored with all ACC accolades this year. Talk about your team and and who you're looking to uh, in terms of uh, elevating and performing uh, this weekend. Uh, yeah, I had three three All ACC mentions this year. Uh, Carla Tuli, she's been playing mostly at the number one spot for us. Uh, second year with us, second year she's been selected to go compete in the individual championships as well. The uh, the singles individual championships after the team championships finish, and then with her will also be uh, Anna Oparanovic, who joined us this year, one year transfer, um, has had a fantastic season, has led the charge for us very well and singles and doubles, and then Emmanuel Salas, uh, who joined us this is her first year with us. Um, those three got the honorable mentions with the ACC um, and have done a tremendous job leading at the top of the lineup, but I can't, I'd be remiss not to mention every other body that we've got. Um, you know, senior Ariana Raman Parast and senior Julia Mikulski have contributed endlessly. I mean, Jules had a huge win for us, uh, clinching match in the season against Georgia Tech last match on. It was epic. She finished the match on match point with an underhand serve to win and clinched the match in a very, very close uh, battle with Georgia Tech. And she had that fantastic moment. And then Ari, as a senior, has been um, a go-to for us and has been very, very consistent with her performances. And as a captain, has really taken on that role, not only off the court, but very much so on the court and, and wants those moments as well. And then our, our junior class and sophomore class with Petra Hule, um, getting back in the lineup, playing some very, very good tennis right now, was kind of recovering from an injury earlier. And then uh, Andrea Garcia and Nandini Doss, who two years ago came in as freshmen and really were, they put a shot in the arm of this program. And that's when things really started to turn was those two got here and brought an energy and brought a life back into this program. Um, and, and so, as you can see from, from what I'm saying, I mean, this is a complete team effort up and down the line, 
singles, doubles. Um, it's, it's been a beautiful thing to see come together. And the girls have done it. Just, I'm so proud of them. They've done such an amazing job and to put us where we are right now. And I, I just cannot say enough about these young ladies. And, um, you know, finding myself getting a little misty thinking about it because it's, it's been so much fun. And I just want them to just continue this ride for as long as we can push it. Coach's statement, and then we'll get to a final question or a final thought on your team here. First of all, uh, in the essence of uh, full disclosure here and transparency, Keith and I, before we started this interview in the break, suggested that your na- the names of your players would be difficult to pronounce. And you said, well, they're actually just like what they read, so they're easy. And then I listened to you roll this off your tongue, and I'm glad that we handed that. that I, I thought it was a hockey lineup. <laughs> <laughs> but that leads to the question, and that is, uh, and, and hopefully I'm not uh, leaving anybody out here, but I think, and tennis is an international sport, but I think you've got Germany, Slovenia, India, Spain, two players from France, Australia, and then Miami, which is as cosmopolitan a city as there is in this country, represented on your roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, just discuss that dynamic of blending that many cultures and personalities into one team that's having this kind of success. How do you pick a, how do you pick a team meal? <laughs> that is fun. Fun. The, the most fun we have is when we're eating. And, and, and uh, everyone loves all kind of different ethnic foods. And um, you know, they also have the things that they like to stick with. But I have to tell you, um, you know, I do get that question a lot, Tom. And, and I think people are curious to, gosh, why don't you have more Americans? Or why do you have so many nationals? Or where do you recruit from? And how do you do this? And I think, you know, I've been doing this, what, 25 years now. And I've had all American teams. I've had all foreign teams. I've had a mix of both. And and one of the things that, that I found um, as far as the recruiting process goes is, for, for our program and for our philosophy in the program, the most important thing is the right fit. It's got to be the right character. It's got to be the right person who's got the right drive, who's got the right vision, who has the right focus on, on their career, you know, their tennis career, their academic career. I don't, you know, I've just said, I know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I don't care if they're from Mars. If they're the right fit and you can enhance our program and you have goals that are in line with what we want to accomplish, um, you know, I don't care if you're, you know, you can be from down the street from each other in South Florida and you're completely two different, completely different people from different cultures, even if you're from the U.S. It's it, it just, for me, that's part of the beauty of what we do in building this program is we have so much color and we have so many differences. And, and that's been on my all-American teams and that's been on my mostly international teams, too. And, and I think I think one of the things that we do is we embrace each other's differences very openly and very um with open arms, you know, and, and I think, um, but that's kind of the world we live in now is, 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 you know, everyone is so different and bringing those differences together and being able to find a common goal and play for something bigger than yourself. That's the beauty of, of recruiting. That's the beauty of building a program. That's the beauty of being on a team like this. And, and it's, I got to tell you, it's a lot of the fun of what we do is, is bringing that together and see those girls come together for each other and play for something bigger for than than themselves, to be honest. Congratulations on the success thus far and continued success to you. Enjoy hosting the first and second round and uh, hopefully progressing much further than that in these NCAA championships. Congrats. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Hope to see you out here this weekend. Thank you, Coach. Coach Jennifer Hyde, former former four-year letter winner for Florida State, winningest women's tennis coach in FSU history. And uh, really, uh, the team is enjoying great success right now and we hope that it continues uh this show whether you hope it does or not is going to continue right after this break on front row knolls
Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We are back on Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith with you. We'll get back to the phone lines momentarily. I do want to mention if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to take care of all your power tool needs. They're at 1110 Stuckey Avenue, 3269 Crawfordville Highway, or you can call them at 580-1200. Thanks to Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. And thanks to a former Knoll who is on the line now as we continue what's a jam-packed show. Everett Brown, who you'll recall as a defensive end that wreaked havoc on many a quarterback during his day at FSU. A lot of headaches. A lot of headaches. Has uh, been in the Charlotte area for some time, was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. What you may not know, unless you follow it closely, is that he's now an assistant coach with uh, Carolina as well. And this all relates to a guy they drafted last week. But first, let's say hello to Everett. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Should I call you coach now? Have you adjusted to that? <laughs> you know what? It's, it, the transition has been pretty smooth, so I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Everett Brown started FSU from uh, 05 to 08, was a uh, second-round pick in 2009, spent six years in the NFL with Carolina, and now is the assistant linebackers coach with the Panthers. So hey, let's get right to it, uh, Everett. Uh, I-, I saw you tweet about this, too. Number 99 is uh, happy to welcome number 99 to Carolina. So uh, how much input did you have on that, or did you – I mean, did you have an inkling? Did you not know? I'm sure you had an inkling, but uh, – uh, just tell us your reaction uh, knowing the franchise you coach for is, has drafted an FSU guy that used to wear your number. Absolutely. And I'd first like to start off by saying I in no way, you know, called a shot on that draft pick. <laughs> I don't want to give myself that much power, but, you know, we did our due diligence here, and I'm working specifically with outside linebackers and defensive ends. Um, so we had to do our due diligence, you know, during the, um, during the draft process and, evaluating talent and I tell you that that you know just what Brian Burns brings to the to the table and to the team is is is, is you know is just really really good I mean when you talk about you know Brian just as a person his character you know he instantly makes the locker room better he makes the meeting room better and then you know his athletic ability and his ability to rush the quarterback you know he's going to you know make the room better and the team better, but also you're going to complement what we already have in the room, and that's the most exciting thing about it. So, you know, we're just really happy and excited uh, to have Burns here as part of the organization, and I'm excited, you know, to be able to, to be hands-on with them and, and, and get them rushing the quarterback and, you know, and jump-start his, his career here with the Panthers. And Everett, I guess that brings the question, and and maybe the answer is not known yet. But uh, where's where's he going to sit? Where's he where's he going to end up being? Is he going to be a hand in the dirt? Is he going to be on the outside? Uh, what what do you project given what you know about uh, Brian so far, and and what are you looking forward to? Yeah, well, Burns, Burns is definitely going to be on the edge as a rusher. Um, that's what he does the best. That's what that's the reason why you know he was he was you know, a high draft pick because of his ability to get to the quarterback. And that's what you look for, um, you know, when you're, when you're talking about adding to your defense. You know, you want to be able to add edge rushers that can affect the game, can affect the quarterback, because when the quarterback is affected, he's not as good as he can be. Um, but for us, you know, with just Burns and his athletic ability, we'll use him in multiple positions. Uh, we'll stand him up. We'll ask him to drop. We'll put his hand in the ground. We'll ask him to rush. Um, and, 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 you know, he's just multi-aligned, so I think that's the most 
excited, you know, most, the biggest thing that he's most excited about is just how he's going to be utilized within the defense, but also just being able to use his athletic ability and the things that he already do naturally continues to do that and sharpen those tools, but also develop some more tools that would just help continue to improve him as a player and take him to that elite level here in the NFL. What is his best attributes that make him a good defensive end? I mean, what attract? What was attractive for for Carolina with Brian? Yeah, well, the most attractive thing it was, and it was talked about over and over again throughout the organization. Um, and it just jumped off the screen when you watch Burns on film. It's just his his creating counter momentum. What I mean by that is, you know, it has to start with his initial get off. That's what everything starts with. Being able to get out of his, your stance faster than the offensive lineman or the tight end. And that's what Burns does. He has an elite get-off, and that's what you look for in pass rush. You want an elite get-off, and he has that. And then he's able to, you know, get off the ball really, really fast and then counter and making an inside move or, you know, making an outside move, changing directions on an offensive tackle or on the blocker and still being able to get to the quarterback. I thought that he did that better than any rusher in the draft and I thought it was natural for Burns and it's definitely something that you know will help us be better in our pass rush. Do you think Everett because one of the knocks on Brian was that maybe he wasn't at least as in tuned or as you know for lack of a better word didn't care about supporting the run but to be a three down lineman at your level he's got to be able to do both what do you see on that other side his ability to support the run? Yeah, I think that, that that's an area that we can definitely improve on. But just like any 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 young player coming into the NFL, you know, we, we stop the run first. And how you do that is showing, you know, a player like Burns, showing him, you know, why it's important, showing him how we do it here in the culture with the Carolina Panthers. And then, you know, being able to, to take him through drills on the field that he can apply and understand that will ultimately make him a better overall player, but also it just to make him, you know, understand the run game. And I think that's that's a bigger bigger part of it than the physical side is just understanding blocking schemes, understanding why the offense is doing what they're doing. Um, so therefore, it makes your block recognition faster. It allows you to play faster. And then you know, because typically, let's say your offensive linemen are about three hundred, three hundred thirty pounds. You know, and if you're a 249-pound, you know, defensive end, eventually if you stay on that block long enough, then the weight factor is going to take over. But when you can, you know, come off the ball, have quick and violent hands, and then you recognize the play by the blocking scheme of that of the blocker that you're on, that's when you can get rid of your blocker and get to the ball, and that makes you better in the run game. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a you know a lack of wanting to there. I just think it's it's um, just learning the why behind the run game and how it's played, and I think that that is the tremendous growth from that. You mentioned 249, which I think is what Burns weighs in at now, which is 25 pounds heavier so than what he played at at FSU. What What's the ideal weight for Brian Burns with a 6'5 frame, and what are, you know, what are you hoping that he can get to, or, or can he maintain the 249? Because he certainly put weight on as he went through the draft process. Yes, yes, that's a great question. He has a he has an excellent frame, uh, and I think that he could he could maintain the two forty nine, and uh, you know and, and be an every down player for us and be able to you know 
make plays in the running game and then still keep his speed and athletic ability to rush the passer and then drop in coverage as well. Um, but then I also think that as he develops in the NFL, he could easily add more weight because he has a frame forward and he's, you know, his athletic ability was long as still stays there with adding good lean, um, good lean body mass and weight. I think he could easily play in the two sixties, um, you know, over time. Talking with Everett Brown. By the way, uh, not only did you guys wear the same numbers, Everett, I looked this up. You finished your career at FSU with 23 sacks, and Brian Burns finished his career at FSU with 23 sacks. So uh, he did have two, he did have two more forced fumbles. So uh, you know, don't let him get the upper hand. He's still got to call you sir. I mean, you are the coach. Well, yeah, you know, and, and, and I haven't checked the record, but I I would go back to the tackles for loss as well and compare those. So. You know, there, there, there's some similar, like, numbers, but I tell you what, you know, you cut on the film and watch Burns, he just, his athletic ability and his range, you know, being almost 6'5", I mean, just what he brings to the field, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, uh, you know, very exciting, and, and, it, and it makes you very excited to be able to work with a player of his cal- caliber and, and the tools that he has. Um, that he can utilize on the field at the position. So, All right, now, Everett, you you've know, been very polite so far. You've been very polite so far, but what's it going to cost Burns to actually wear your jersey, either monetarily or otherwise, <laughs> at the next level? You mean with Carolina? Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, it's got to cost him something, doesn't it? Well, it's unoccupied no, right now. No, no it, it, it doesn't cost him. It doesn't cost him here, I think. <laughs> I think when it comes to jerseys, I think that's going to be an interesting, interesting thing. I don't know if it's come out yet or if he's decided on a number, but it will be it will be pretty interesting to see what jersey number he decides. And, and I told him at the end of the day, hey, whatever, whatever you you know number you decide, whatever position you're playing, you know, no matter about any of the comparisons for the state, Everett Brown, Julius Peppers, you know, I said, hey, you know, I said one thing about it, you know, you're in control. Of Brian Burns, and you control what you can control what Brian Burns does. And I said, at the end of the day, you're leaving your own legacy, and at the end of the day, you have your own testimonies. And I said, and the great thing about it is that, you know, you're at the great organization, but then also you're able to work with somebody who's seen you play, you know, as a freshman, and then gotten to know you, but also, you know, have somewhat been in, in shoes. I mean, it, you know, I have NFL snaps on the grass, and it doesn't mean anything as a coach when you have to you know, have the players do it, but my experience, my, you know, my knowledge of going to different playbooks, you know, I can, I have a lot to offer and a lot, and I can be a valuable resource in which I, which I will be, you know, for Burns. And I can have a lot of players, but specifically for Burns coming in as a, as a rookie. Well, we look forward to, to seeing how his career does, uh, pans out and congratulations on what's a new career for you i guess moving into the coaching ranks i know you interned with carolina last year fsu fans will know that you're a businessman as well you own a tropical smoothie in the area i think you you own a luxury car rental company or did at one point uh yes, I do. Mm-hmm. so and 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 oh by the way i see you a couple times a year because when florida state's in the in the tar heel state they're on tobacco road you're every, there you're every there. quite frequently is there but but that said i see it doking awful lot too so <laughs> Um, but but no, you it's, know, it's go hard ahead. to stay away. I tell you that. <laughs> well, congratulations on your success, and uh, we wish you the best of luck, uh, especially with uh, with Brian with Spider Man there, and uh, as, as he starts his pro career. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much, and you know we're excited, you know, and we look forward to getting to work here pretty soon, and uh, and uh, I just appreciate you guys even having me on the show, and, and it's always great to be back at Florida State, and, and always great to talk to the Knowles. 
Likewise, Everett Brown. Thanks, Everett. Good guy hey, for Florida you. State and uh, now in the coaching ranks uh, at the NFL. We're just about out of time, but uh, there's so a quick reaction, 10-second reaction? Two, two, two things. Number one, uh, he's already talking like a coach. So he, he might be a first-year paid. He might have been an intern last year. He's got the lingo down. And, and number two, don't discount that experience. I mean, by, no one would tell you that uh, Everett Brown is Julius Peppers. But he played a lot, had a lot of snaps in the NFL. He's been around the Julius Peppers of the world. The only question I was going to ask him is, is Luke Keekley really real? <laughs> Remember, because we were doing games yeah, we for Sun had- Sports, and, and he, he played, what, three years or four years at, at Boston College, had seven million tackles, and everybody said that he was too small, he was too slow, it wasn't going to happen, and all he's done is just replicate that I, I sat down level. at an ACC kickoff one year and had no idea who Luke Keekley was, and I was sitting next to him exactly. at the table. Exactly. And lo and behold, oh. yeah. Okay, we're done. Uh, We'll do it again next week. We should have him on again uh, when the time is pro. We could we could ask him that question and talk in more detail. But we appreciate a few minutes of his time and Coach Hyde's time and Tim's time and your time. We'll talk to you next week here on Front Row Knowles.